going to continue and finish this morning our series, uh, Extraordinary Forgiveness. So we've spent the last four weeks on this topic, and so this morning we'll be looking at the, the, the simple topic of the rock of offense, and that'll be the title of our message. Um, Luke 17, 1 says, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. Uh, We've talked about that, that it is impossible. So offenses are going to come. People are going to be offended, or at least people are going to have the opportunity to be offended because these things happen. There are things that we're going to do. There's things, I'm sure if we went around the room, you have done something unknowingly, unintentionally, where someone was offended by that. I mean, it's just going to happen. So we've dealt with this, this whole thing. And I'm going to, while, you're, while you're, we're getting started here, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn to First Peter chapter 2. I have a pen and piece of paper ready today because I'm going to give a lot of scripture references. I'm going to look in a lot of different places and uh, I, can, I can email notes to you later on, whatever would be of help. Anything that would be of a help to you, let me know. But I got a lot to get through, a lot of verses to run through. And, uh, but we're going to start. We'll launch there at First Peter chapter 2 in just a moment. So we've been learning about forgiveness of others, that we need to forgive others. We need to forgive God. You know, oftentimes we feel like uh, we've seen this, you've heard this, where people blame God for something or they question God on something. And we need to learn to forgive God. We need to learn to trust him and to forgive him and, and, and then we, we need to learn to forgive ourselves and really what we looked at there really better said is not so much forgiving ourselves but receiving the forgiveness that God offers in salvation. If he, if he forgets it, if he forgives it and forgets it, why are we dwelling on it? Why are we holding on to it? And all that does is hinder us. That's a weight and a sin. Boy, if I'm more righteous than God that I can't forgive it but he did. Uh, we have a problem. So we've looked at those things. So the last thing we're going to look at this morning, the lesson we're going to look at before we close out this series on un extraordinary forgiveness is this idea of the rock of offense. So how do we share our faith in a day when everyone is offended by everything? Yeah. Isn't that where we're at? I mean, that's where we're at today. So that's offensive, said everybody, you know. Nowadays, everybody and their dog gets offended when somebody believes or says something that they don't agree with. Uh, you know, I would, I would contribute that, a lot of that, to social media. Um, there's a lot of bravery and a lot of mouthiness that comes from hiding behind a uh, computer screen and, and tapping on a, on a, you know, put, but, you know, people aren't as bold face-to-face -face a lot of times, and so that's changed a lot, and some of the, some of the, I'm on Twitter every now and then. It's amazing. Someone can make a comment on Twitter, and it can be a great comment. But you start reading the comments to the comment, and they've inevitably somebody's got to be just contentious. They're just looking to start a fight. They just want to be right. Got to be heard. And it's a, it's a great display of pride on display in social media. It's just all about me. But, but anytime someone, we say something that someone doesn't agree with, they get, a, they get offended. And, and there's, a, there's an argument. There's things that come from that. Um, I believe that Jesus is the only way we can be saved. If, if you say that, you know, the response to what someone would say is, you know, that's so closed-minded. That's offensive that you would say that. No, other, uh, no, no one religion is right. No one religion is true. You're a fanatic and a bigot. And here's the one I really like today is you're a racist. If you, have a, if you disagree with someone, that's just the, the, the word you throw out. And you know what happens is most of the time when you start talking that way, people cower down. And they don't want to be called these things. And so they, they, they just go back into being quiet. Folks, we can't do that as believers. We don't have the option of just saying, you know what, that I don't, I'm not going to say anything because it might be offensive. Look, people are going to be offended by the truth. Amen? Amen. Period. They're going to be offended. And we, we, we have to, we just better get used to that and come to the realization that when we speak truth as believers, and if you're a believer, if you're born again, you do not have an exemption. There is no exemption. If you are truly born again, we are commanded to go and share the gospel. We're, we're commanded to tell people about Christ. We don't have the option to just sit back and be quiet and be the little church mouse. That's not an option God has given us. We are to go and to tell. That command isn't given just to the pastors and the missionaries and Sunday school teachers. It's given to every one of us if we're a born again child of God. Now, now, the gospel is offensive, but it changes people. Amen. The gospel is offensive, but it heals. The gospel is offensive, but it frees people from the bondage and the slavery of sin and puts them in, into the kingdom of God. 
Jesus knew when he told us to go make disciples that it wouldn't be easy for us, and it's not. I mean, I'm not going to stand here and go, oh, this is it's simple. It's really easy. Now, sharing the gospel is simple. There's nothing easy about it. Well, number one, you got to overcome fears. you got to overcome anxieties. A lot of us are not just someone you can go up and talk to anybody. So there are things that we have to overcome just in the preliminary. But then the fear of, of when you speak truth that, 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 that Karen is going to raise her head and Y'all know what I'm saying, right? Y'all, if you've watched social media, there's a lot of Karens out there. It's amazing that many people named Karen exist, but they do. I want to tell a story right now, but I'm not. I am. So I'm going, to, I'm coming to church a couple of weeks ago, and a, and a person pulls up. There's a lady walking her dog, and somebody pulls up to the stop, and the nose of the car comes about a foot into the walk, the, the walk path. And the woman with the dog, she starts doing this. And I thought, what? Is there a kid in the road? What's going on? And she just lit into raving about the people pulling up a foot into the the walkway. You know, just, I wanted to stop by as we went by. I wanted to roll my window down and just look at her. And when she said something, say, I just needed to see what Karen looked like. So, (laughs) but I didn't. I didn't. But it's. They're out there, folks, and, and it's, not just, it's not just middle-aged uh, white women that do this. It's a lot of people today that are offended, okay? So don't take offense out there. There's a lot of folks that, that, uh, that act this way. There's just a disproportionate amount of, of... All right, I digress really bad. Look, Jesus knew it was going to be hard. He knew it was going to be hard when he told us to do this. People will be offended and harsh words will be said. And let me say this. I hope it ain't us that's saying the harsh words. I hope it's us as believers that we take the right road. So, but, you know, it doesn't matter uh, if someone gets saved or not. That's not our job. Our job is this. We can't save anybody, but our job is to present the gospel to them. I learned a long time ago, I was very disheartened as a young Christian as we'd go out and witness and I'd share and, and people would reject me. I couldn't believe they were rejecting. You know what? They weren't rejecting me. They were rejecting Christ. And so I, we shouldn't feel this sense of rejection. Our job is to go and to tell. And it is, it is the Holy Spirit's job. It is God's job to save people. It ain't mine. I don't have any say in that other than being obedient to what God tells me to do. And that is to go and present the gospel to them. Now, if we don't share the gospel, they probably won't ever hear it. And we all know what that means. Now, listen. So yesterday we had this service. We had a huge crowd. And I knew we had a lot of people here that didn't know the Lord. Now, I didn't think for a second I'm not going to preach the gospel. But I did think during that service that any time somebody could stand up and be contrary. I mean, I knew that. And so you, you prepare yourself for that. And, and, but that is the age we're in today, more and more and more so, where there was a time where even if someone absolutely disagreed, they wouldn't say anything in a, in a, in, in a service like that. Today, I, I don't have any... I, I don't have any misconceptions that someone wouldn't stand up and begin to push their... I can't believe you would say... And that's not true. Uh, we didn't have that. But there's always that idea. We have to be aware that there's going to be pushback when we speak truth. People don't like truth. People don't... You know, and, and, and I've shared this before. You know, truth sounds a lot like hate when people don't like the truth. And they, they'll say, well, you're talking hate. It's hate. It's, hate. it's not hate. I love you enough to tell you the truth. That's what real love is. So it's not our job to save or to convict or judge. Our job is to share, to share the gospel, whether people respond with repentance and faith or not. That's not our job. Our job is to share the gospel. And so that's what we're commanded to do. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're made to do. That's what we were saved to do, is to share the gospel, to take it further and do what God's told us to do. Now, I think it was Philip Yancey that said this. He says, there is an offense to the gospel no matter how graciously we present it. So get over it. No matter how you say it, you can say it all buttered up and, and, uh, and sprinkles of sugar and all that, and, 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 and it doesn't matter how graciously you present it, it is offensive. The gospel is offensive. He goes on and says, it, it includes the message that God, not humanity, is the ultimate judge of right and wrong, and that the choices we make have eternal consequences. And so folks don't like, people don't like the truth. And you know what? There are people in church, folks, that don't like the truth. There are churches all over America filled with folks that will not accept truth. 
When truth is preached, they're going to do all they can to get rid of the one speaking the truth because they want to hear what they want to hear, not what God says you need to hear, not the truth. So the message is an offensive message. The message of the gospel is an offensive message. 1 Peter chapter 2, and that's where we turn to. Let's just look at verse 6, 7, and 8, and we'll launch from there. Therefore, it is also... Uh, Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word. That's where they're stumbled. That's where they're offended. They're offended by the word of God. They're offended by the truth of who Jesus is. That's where the offense is, to which they also were appointed. Now, salvation is through faith. Amen? Salvation is by God's grace. There's nothing that we do. God's grace gives us life, but the vehicle is through faith. He calls us to faith, to belief. And so, and it's not just believing. It's not the, the way we use the word belief today. We, we believe something. Hey, man, you know, the shuttle blew up in 1986. Do you believe that? Yes, I believe that. I have a head knowledge of that. That's not what we're talking about. We're not just talking about a head knowledge or a knowledge of facts. We're talking about a heart belief. We're talking about faith. When he talks about believing, salvation is by, by, by grace through faith. It is believing, but it is believing with the heart. It is placing my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if, if, if it's not just the head knowledge, if that were the case, then, then demons could be saved. And we see in James 1, uh, 2.19, says, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Not only do they have a head knowledge of God, but they're emotionally moved. But they don't believe in Christ with faith that it could be saving faith. So it is more than just a head knowledge. We, we believe by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation. And believing in Jesus Christ through faith leads to obeying Jesus Christ through faith. That's what this verse says there. That there is, there is, therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. He is precious to us. But to those who are disobedient. Isn't it interesting, the phrasing there? Because what you get is those who believe, he's precious. There is, there's the, 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 you, you, you have to see it here. There's obedience when we believe. When you believe God, when you trust God, when you are born again, there is obedience. If there is no obedience, then we see what we see with the rest of this. But to those who are disobedient. It doesn't say to those who don't believe. It's to those who are disobedient. They are disobedient. They do not believe. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling. Now, who is the chief cornerstone? It is Christ. Heard heresy. Just the other day, someone stood up and wanted to make the chief cornerstone, wanted to say the chief cornerstone was the LBGTQ community. I mean, that, I, I can't believe this was a pastor speaking this. Kimbon, praise God he's gracious and patient with us, amen? Because that's just pure heresy. Um, I, would be, I, would not, I would be scared to speak those words. That's blasphemy of, of God. Saying that, that, that Jesus, he is the chief cornerstone, and he is a stumbling block, and he is a rock of offense. So if we live for Jesus, it's going to offend. If we speak of Jesus, it's going to offend. Folks, when we share truth, it's going to offend. Okay? So true faith brings obedience. No faith brings disobedience. Now, I want to speak to you about the new American idol. There is, you, you've seen American Idol, but there is a new American Idol, okay? So love is the bottom line in our relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? Yes. Love's the bottom line. We are to love the person of Jesus Christ. We are to love him. Not just principles and teachings, but Jesus. We're to love him. Today there is, is heavily weighted view of God as a God of love while undervaluing his righteousness, his holiness, his justice, his judgment. God is love, they say, and he is. 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 16 tells us that God is love. We know that God is love, but God is also righteous and holy and just, and he is a judge. 
The problem is that, that many today have created a love idol that they call Jesus. They've created a false, uh, a, a, an idol. They've created a false religion, and the name they've given to their prophet is Jesus. So they have this picture of Jesus, but they've made Jesus be what they want Jesus to be, not who Jesus is in the Scriptures. Folks, we can do that in this room. We can make an idol of Jesus. And I've said it this way before. When, when, listen, when your God loves all the things you love and he hates all the things you hate, you've created an idol. You're no longer serving the God of the Bible. You're serving an idol that you've created. And that you know, uh, there was a there's a star. Many of you know. I'm not going to mention the name, but she said one time. She said, she said, yeah, I, I believe in, in God and I, I love I love Jesus, but but I serve and I worship uh, God the way I think He is, the way I think He 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 should be. And so they're not worshiping the God of the Bible. They're not worshiping Jesus Christ. They're worshiping an idol. So, folks, we have, to be, we have to know the Jesus of the Bible in order to worship and love the Jesus of the Bible. Amen? It can't just be what we want it to be. And so the problem is they're, they're, the, that love is now their God. And Now, when I say love, I'm meaning an acceptance of, embracing of, and supporting of anything and everything because we love. Folks, that's not love. You're driving down the wrong side of the interstate at 60 miles an hour. And, and, and well, you love me. You'll accept that I, that I do this. No, you're going to kill yourself or you're going to kill someone else. No, I, I, I love you enough to tell you the truth. You're going the wrong way. When we love, we share truth. And, and we can't say we love someone if we're not willing to speak the truth. That's not agape love. That's not the love of God to accept just anything and everything. We have to live by the truth of the word of God. Now, God is love and Jesus is God. So Jesus is love. Amen. Amen. Jesus is love. Yet that same Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for their self-righteousness. Listen to what he called them in Matthew 23, uh, verse 33. He said, serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Those are strong words. Uh, you, you think that might have offended them? I think it probably offended them. He turned over the tables of the money changers in the temple and chased them off. And, and in John chapter 2, it says, And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. Now, I saw a meme recently, and it had Jesus running them out, running out the money changers out of the temple. And the phrase on there said, Christians today would tell Jesus that that is something that Jesus wouldn't do. You get it? So we, we have people today who claim to be a Christian who would tell Jesus that the things Jesus did are not things Jesus would do. Now, Jesus, that's not what Jesus would do. That's where we've gotten to in a society. That's where we've gotten to even in Christianity, folks. Jesus said to the man who wanted to bury his father before he would follow him, uh, then, then he said to another, he said, follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. This is in Luke chapter 9, verse 59. Verse 60 says, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, people misrepresent that passage, and they say, oh, the man's father had died, and Jesus was not compassionate. That is not at all what it's saying. The man's father hadn't died. What he was saying was, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me stay here till my father dies. And once I've buried my father, you know, maybe then I've got an inheritance. Maybe then I can afford to, you know, just to, to come and, and take the life of leisure. Then I'll come follow you. And, and that was the idea there. But people look at that and, the, and they think that, that, that he was offensive, that he, he didn't care. He was, he, he was apathetic with them. Um, folks, we've become too concerned with offending people today. We've become too concerned with that. We've become very careful and reserved in sharing truth out of fear of, of offending someone or offending anyone or offending everyone. We're, there's a fear among Christians to speak truth. So what do we do? What, what are we to do? How, how do we share the truth of God's word in this day of cancel culture and character attacks? So what does scripture say? And we want to look at this. What did Jesus do? 
We have no better model and example to follow than the Lord Jesus himself. What, what an example he gave. So we're going to look at the offensive Jesus. Because we know the loving Jesus. We know his care and concern and compassion. And oftentimes we don't realize Jesus was very offensive in what he said. So let's look at it. Jesus offended the Pharisees. And you know what? They wanted to kill him because of it. We already heard one thing that he said. In Matthew 15, 7, he says, hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites to their face. You, you, uh, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Verse 9, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of man. Jesus called them to the mat. He told them, this is what you're doing, and it's wrong. You're hypocrites. You're telling people to live one way. You don't live that way. You're, telling, you're putting on th- things on them that the Word of God doesn't put on them. You're hypocrites. He goes on in verse 12. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know, uh, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Like Jesus didn't know. <laughs> now, Jesus, did, did, did you realize you know, what you said? They, you offended the Pharisees. Did you realize? Yes, he realized it. And, and he, he, Jesus wasn't cautious in what he said. He wasn't being trying to be uh, castic. He wasn't trying to be, be harsh. He was buying, just stating fact. He was telling them truth. He loved them enough to tell them the truth. And he says in verse 13, But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Now, so what does that mean? Offenses separate true believers from counterfeits. Amen. See, some join a church... And they know the right things to say, and, uh, but they've never truly been born again. And then offenses come. And when truth is preached, revealing their true motives and causing them to uproot themselves, people will, will get up and leave a church. I'm going to tell you, folks, listen. If God called you to this church, if God called you to the... How many of you feel like God called you here? You're here because God put you here. Okay? Then you don't go anywhere until God tells you to go somewhere. You know what we have today? People get offended. They get their feelings hurt. Something didn't go their way, and they leave. But they leave angry. They leave upset. They leave because someone said something or did something they didn't like. That's not the way we handle it as believers. And if you don't, listen, if you don't handle it right, guess what's going to happen? You're going to take that same attitude to the next church, and then someone's going to offend you there. It'll happen. In time, it's going to happen. So, listen, if I say something from the pulpit and I offend you, or if I say something in a conversation and I offend you, please come tell me. Because I can promise you, my desire has never one time been to offend anyone in this church. That's not who I am. That's not what I want to do. But I want to speak truth. And, and, and if you feel like, Pastor, you slighted me, or you, 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 know, you ignored me, or you did this or that, share with me. Tell me. I want to make it right. I promise you. Before God Almighty, I've not, I've, I've not intentionally done anything to try to offend anybody. I don't want to do that. I want to draw you closer to the Lord, not be a stumbling block for you. Jesus offended the Pharisees, the religious The hypocrites. He spoke truth. Jesus offended those of his hometown. Matthew 13, 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? You know what they're saying? Who does he think he is? As they're rolling their eyes. That's what his hometown, the people who grew up and saw him, watched him grow up. They're rolling their eyes. Who does he think he is? Verse 57, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Jesus didn't compromise truth to keep them from being offended. He didn't change the message for the home folk. He didn't go somewhere else and preach, a, preach truth and come home and water it down and tell them how great they were. He spoke truth. You know, and it goes on and says they even tried to kill him. The people, his own folk wanted to kill Jesus. Jesus offended his own family members, Mark 3.21. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hands on him, for they said, he is out of his mind. They thought he had gone crazy. 
And you, and you read in Mark chapter 3, verse 31 through 35, his family comes, they want to talk to him. This is a family meeting. This is an intervention. You know, Jesus got problems. We got to deal with it. We need to go. And Jesus said, hey, they say, your mom and your family's out there. He goes, who's, who's my mother? And who, who are my brothers? But you, you are my brother and you are my mother. The believers, the followers, the ones who trusted him. Um, John 7, 5, even his brothers did not believe him. His family didn't even believe him till after the resurrection. Now, now many in his family, we know of James, who became the pastor of the church there at Jerusalem. They were all in then. But early on, no, they didn't, they didn't. And he offended them. He offended them in the things he said. Jesus' plan, purpose, and desire was not to offend any of these. His plan, purpose, and desire was to please the Father, not his earthly family. So when we compromise to accommodate an unbelieving spouse or family member, we fall in the very real danger of backsliding ourselves and failing to reach the full potential of our calling. Folks, I'm going to tell you, we even hinder we even hinder a lost family member coming to Christ. We hinder that work when we compromise the truth. When we soften the message. My relationship with Christ is more important than my relationship with Gina. If my relationship with Gina is not right, I can promise you my relationship with... with did I say Christ there? I did. Uh, if my relationship... With Christ is not right, my relationship with Gina will not be right. That, that relationship is so important. We cannot, we must not compromise the message of truth from the gospel, even in our own family. Now, I'm, I'm wanting to jump ahead, but I'm, I'm, I'm holding back here because I want to make something clear here in a moment. Number four here, Jesus offended his own disciples. John 6, 60, therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew it himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? He asked them, just point blank, does this offend you? I'm speaking truth here. I, I will not lie, I do not lie, I did not lie. I'm speaking truth, does this offend you? From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Even his disciples turned away. So here we find the religious leaders, they were plotting to kill Jesus. His home folks had rejected him. They even tried to kill him. His family thought he'd lost his mind, and his own disciples are now leaving him offended. Still, he did not compromise his message. His only concern was fulfilling the Father's will. Amen. Now, and I'll just say this at this point. When we go back and read that, other than really dealing with the Pharisees there, I don't find one time where Jesus was offensive. He just spoke truth. Even when he spoke to the, hip, the, the hypocrites, the Pharisees, he spoke truth. Now it comes across harsh because he called them hypocrites. But he spoke truth. And he did it out of love. Number five, Jesus offended his closest friends. You know the story of Martha and Mary, Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. They send word up to Jesus. And their idea is, is Jesus get down here. Jesus can save. Jesus can keep him from dying because Jesus is powerful. But they had a limited view of Jesus because he wasn't powerful enough in their eyes to save him and keep him from dying from where he was. He had to be there in person. And Lazarus dies. Jesus delays. He, he waits a few days before he travels. And then he comes down. Him, and he finds Lazarus dead. And we know, we know by the story that this was intentional. It was, there was a purpose to this. But it's interesting, it, when, when, when you read this, John eleven twenty. 20, then Martha, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Uh, but Mary was sitting in the house. And, Mary, and Martha said to Jesus, she, this is what she said. Now get the picture. She's walking along. Jesus, praise the Lord, it's so good to see you. We're so glad you made No, 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 that's not what she said. She says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What a greeting. So warm and loving. She was offended. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, which was Mary, Mary worshipped the Lord that way before. She fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, because you think she's going to worship him. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. They were offended with Jesus. 
Now, Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit. He did as the Father told him to do. And what he did was good, it was right, and it was best for everyone. And yet they were offended because they didn't trust Christ fully. But it looked to those around him like he was apathetic to it. He didn't care. You delayed your coming. But the Lord ultimately healed Lazarus, and he, he taught so much from that. He wanted his disciples to learn. He wanted Mary and Martha to learn, and he taught through that. But, but the Lord did what God told him to do. He, he obeyed the Father even in that. Six, Jesus uh, even offended John the Baptist. And you read in Luke chapter 7, uh, starting verse 18, Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, you got to remember, Jesus was doing some things. The disciples were eating, you know, they were taking tops off of grain and eating that on Sunday. They were, Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. Jesus was doing things. And John's starting to question, is this the Messiah? Would he really do those things? And, and, and so now he sends word. And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And, and so John, John kind of, you kind of read this, this attitude here. You know, I've done all this for you if you are the Messiah. I've done all this for you. And yet here I am in prison. My followers are now your followers and you haven't even visited me. I've been in prison all this time. You haven't even come to see me. Are you really the Messiah or do we look for another? And look how Jesus responded in verse 21. And that very hour he cured, he cured many of infirmities, of uh, afflictions, and, even, and evil spirits. And to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Verse 23 says, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me kind of rebukes John a little bit right here. He says, John, don't be offended because I don't operate the way you think I should operate. Don't be offended with me. He said, you've done what was commanded of you. Your reward will be great. Just stay free from offenses with me. So we see here all those, these people closest to Christ were offended with him as he spoke truth. But it was, it was offense without apology. He, he, he didn't go back and apologize when someone was offended with his truth, when he spoke the truth. If you're going to obey the Holy Spirit of God, people, they're going to be offended. We're going to offend when we share truth. They, they were offended by him, and they're going to be offended by us when we're doing his work. 1 Peter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. What are we to live for, brothers and sisters in Christ? We are to live for the will of God. Our attitude should be the same as Christ. We should be seeking to serve Him, to live for Him, to do, to do what God tells us to do. We should follow Him. And so when we live for the will of God, we will not fulfill the desires of men. And as a result, we will suffer in the flesh. We will suffer in the flesh. If we're serving God, if we're doing Jesus suffered, uh, His greatest opposition from the religious people. And oftentimes, that's the, the greatest opposition we'll face are those around us in, the, in, in our lives who are religious people. They go to church. They're not living right for the Lord. And that's the ones oftentimes that will be the greatest offense. But people will be offended, whether they're religious or non-religious, when we speak truth because the gospel is offensive. If the master offended religious people... As he led by the Spirit, as he was led by the Spirit 2,000 years ago, then those who follow him today are surely going to offend people. Now, we come to John, uh, Jude chapter 1. You can turn here. I want you to look at this verse. Jude chapter 1. Jude 1 verse 3. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to listen to contend earnestly for the faith. It's a command that he gives here, to contend earnestly for the faith, 
which was once for all delivered to the saints. Verse 4, for certain men have crept in unnoticed, how long ago, who, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. What Jesus, uh, what, what uh, the Holy Spirit here, here says to us is to contend earnestly for the faith. Now, what does that word mean, contend? We, we have an idea to contend, uh, but, but there's two, two definitions. Um, struggle to surmount uh, a difficulty or danger. Okay, that's the first definition of contend. It's a struggle. All right, the second is to assert something as a position in an argument. So what we're to do, we are to present truth. Now, I'm, this is leading into the transition of we are to contend. We are to speak truth, okay? We have to do that. That's what we're commanded to do. We are content. It is a struggle. It is a struggle. It is a difficult struggle to present the gospel, to spit truth. We're going to face these things. Contend for the faith. Assert something as a position in an argument. So if these false teachers come into church, these people speak in heresy, we are to contend. We are to confront it. We are to deal with it through the word of God. But now there's a word called contentious. Y'all know that word, right? So contentious, that's an, it's an adjective. It's describing how maybe someone, they, they are a contentious person. And that means causing or likely to cause an argument controversial. So you've met people in your life who, regardless of what you say, they're going to, have, they're going to be contrary. They're going, to, they're going to, listen, my dad, I grew up, my dad was, when my dad wasn't drinking, he was, he was great. When my dad sniffed alcohol, he wanted to fight. That was, his, that was his mode. That's what he went into. He loved to pick a fight. And I could always tell when my dad was drinking because he would try to get me. He was contentious. He would say the opposite of what he thought I would say just to try to pick a fight. And you've met people that, that are that way. So contentious, it's involving heated argument uh, of a person. It's given to argument or provoking argument. So you know contentious people. You've, you've been around that. Now I'm going to give you some synonyms of contentious. Because we might think, you know, if we're going to contend for the faith, you know, there's times we've got to be contentious. Let's see if you want to be contentious based on the, the, the synonyms of contentious. Antagonistic, combative, testy, argumentative, belligerent, disagreeable, facetious, perverse. Now, how many of you are just, man, I want, I just hope, I hope when I die and, 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 and someone's giving my eulogy, I hope about, about four or five of those words come out. Man, he was, he was so belligerent. What a great pastor. He was so facetious in the way he spoke to us. And man, he was perverse in his life. Very combative. But boy, what a great pastor. I don't think I'd be a great pastor if those are the things you're saying. So here's the idea. We are to contend for the faith. But you know what the problem is, folks? We, we, we are to speak the truth. We are to speak the truth. But, but we are too busy sometimes contending in a contentious way. And we don't need to be contentious when we contend for the faith. You don't have to be contentious to contend for the faith. Does that make sense? I had a pastor said one time, he says, we are to contend for the faith. He said, the problem is many of you are too contentious to be any good in sharing the faith. You're just looking to fight. You're looking to pick a fight. You want to win the fight. You just want to be right. What does that sound like, folks? It's about pride. It's about me. It's not then about the truth. It's not then about the gospel. It's not about God and, and, and Christ, the Holy Spirit, and salvation. It's about me being right. So we don't want to be contentious. If anyone challenges the truth of the gospel, it's time for us to be offensive in sharing the gospel. I don't mean to be offensive in the way we present it. We're just to present the truth. And it will be, it will be offensive. I don't have to be. We must be determined in our hearts that we will obey the Holy Spirit of God no matter the cost. we got to know that as I share truth, as I speak truth, as I share the gospel, people are going to be offended. Sometimes we're even hesitant in church to deal with people on issues because they get offended. They get mad because you're speaking truth with the purpose of helping them. That's my role. And... and Raymond's role and John's role as elders in this church. And to a, a big extent, it's our deacon's role 
as they talk to you and you start gossiping, they ought to be putting in, what, 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 what? No, that's not right. If you got an offense with them, you need to go talk to them. You don't need to be gossiping about them. You need to go talk to them. So we're to, we're to, we're to do that. We have to confront. But I promise you, I don't like, can I tell you this? Some of you will know this. Some of you will go, oh, I wouldn't have seen that. I hate confrontation. I absolutely hate it. But there are times you can't avoid confrontation. And so when you can't avoid confrontation, you have to embrace it. And you have to embrace it biblically and you approach it biblically. Amen? Amen. So we are to contend. We are to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love. That's what we're to do. We're to speak the truth in love. Uh, we're not to speak the truth to try to win an argument or to be right or to, 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 you know, to show ourselves how smart we are or show somebody else how smart we are. We are to contend for the truth. We're to speak that truth in love because we care about someone. Now, sometimes there's not an easy way to say it. When you're contending for the faith, when you're speaking the truth, sometimes it doesn't sound loving. But we are to do it in spite of that. Now, I'll say this. If your spiritual gift is being a jerk, if that's your spiritual gift. Now, I've had people tell me that. I, my spiritual gift is being a jerk. I, I'm, listen, if that's your spiritual gift, go somewhere else to exercise your gift. Okay? We, we, don't need that, we don't want that gift in the body. We're to speak the truth. We're to contend for the truth. But we don't have to be contentious in contending for the truth. So speak the truth in love. Romans 14, 11, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us judge one another, uh, let us not judge any, uh, uh, one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. You know, we can be contentious, and we can, we can speak the truth not in love, and we can actually be a stumbling block to someone coming to faith. Speak the truth, folks. Speak the truth. Speak it in love. If, if I offend, uh, here's the question. Do I offend or does the gospel offend? Now, if, if folks are offended with the gospel and with biblical truth, so be it. John MacArthur said, if the truth offends, then let it offend. People have been living their whole lives in offense to God. Let them be offended for a while. But if, if we are offensive, I'm the one that's offensive, then the problem is me. If they're offended by me, then, then I'm the problem. The problem is me. And Ed Stetzer said, he said, the offensiveness of the gospel does not give license for Christians to be offensive. So the idea is that, folks, we are to present the truth, but we don't have to do it in a contentious, hateful way. We don't have to... We, the, the gospel is going to do the offending. We don't have to be offensive as we contend with the for, for the truth, with the truth. Amen? Now, Jesus chose to use his liberty and freedom to serve, to serve others, not himself, and we must do the same. I've got a few verses I want to read, and we're going to be done. Um, Romans, uh, 14, Romans 14, 9 says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. That's how we should pursue our conversations with people. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, therefore, uh, chapter 10, verse 31, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. You hear Paul's heart right there? Now, Paul's not saying, I do all the sin that the world does. That's not what he's saying when he says I, 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 that I please all men and all things. He's not compromising. He's not getting into sin. He's not doing those things. He, he doesn't go have to join a biker gang to witness to a biker. You know, he's, he's going to, what he's saying is these things I do with the intention that they may be saved. Because it's not about me. It's about what God wants for them. It's not about me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In verse 3 he says this, We give no offense in anything. 
that our ministry may not be blamed. We live a life that I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to be offensive. I'm not going to do something that's going to hinder the gospel going forward. I don't want to say things in a way that's going to hinder the gospel going forward. I'm going to speak the truth. And I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to do it in a way that they'll hear. Paul's heart for ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. He says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. In verse 20, 20, he says, I became as a Jew to the Jew. I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. Uh, he said, I, I became to those that are under the law, that, as under the law, that I might win those that are under the law. He's saying, I, I came to those that were not under the law. I came to them as not under the law, that I might win those that are without the law. He said, to the weak, I, I, I came as weak, that I might win the weak. Now, I believe what that means is Paul, Paul knew a little bit about everything. And if Paul was talking to a businessman, he'd talk business. And then he talked the gospel. And if he's talking to a guy that loved fishing, he might talk about fishing. And then he'd talk about the gospel. And if he's talking to a guy that loved guns, he'd talk about guns. And then he'd talk about the gospel. And if he met a guy that liked racing, racing used to be good. If he talked to a guy that liked racing, he'd talk to him about racing. And then he'd talk to him about the Lord. That's what I believe it means. And he says that I might by all means save some. That was his heart. Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let us esteem others better than himself. We're to, we're to, we're to, we're to, we should be down here and everybody else should be up here. And the Lord should be way up there. It shouldn't be about us. It should be about sharing the gospel. And folks, Look, the fact of it is, if we're not offending somebody, we're not, we're not doing what God's called us to do. If we're not sharing truth, truth, God's truth, not my truth, God's truth. Not your truth, God's truth. So we share that truth, we share it, and we, we, we present that gospel. Um, it's going to offend people. But it's the hope, that it's the only hope they have. I, I can just pacify and I can just keep things going. Pastor Aaron, you and the team can come. So as we think on this this morning, the challenge is this. Am I, am I offending anybody? Am, am I sharing the gospel? Am I sharing truth from the Word of God with those around me? Because if we speak truth, we're, we're going to offend someone. When someone says they're living their life this way, and we don't confront because the scriptures are very clear about it. We're accepting of that. I mean, there's, I mean, we could just go down a laundry list of things today. But it's not about the list of how people are living their life. It's the fact they're not living their life for Christ. That's what matters. And it doesn't matter where they're at. You know, God loves them enough. He, he, he loves them where they're at, but he's not going to leave them there. He, he, I'm a pastor. And the Lord loves me. He loves me as I am right now. But you know what? He loves me so much he ain't going to leave me the way I am right now. He's working in me. He's still growing me. He's still convicting me of areas in my life. Those things that have to be, some of them have to be dynamited off. Right, Rusty? Some of them got to be chiseled off. Some of them got, some of it though is real fine sandpaper. But he's working. And when he's working, when he's shaping, when he's working our lives, it's never, it's never just wonderful. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. But he's not going to leave us there. Folks, I encourage you. I encourage you. Get out and offend somebody this week. <laughs> Contend for the faith. Share truth. Share truth. Speak the truth in love. You can say the same thing with a smile on your face that you can a frown. You can truly love them. And if you do love them and you do con are concerned about them, you'll find that way to present the, 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 the offensive gospel in a non-offensive way. But if, but if it's going to come across as offensive, then I'm still going to present it. Because I'm going to present the gospel. I'll let them deal with the Lord on the offense. I don't want to be the vehicle of offense. I don't want to be a stone that's an offense to them. Christ is that stone of offense. And when we preach Christ, it's going to offend. But folks, preach Christ. Amen. Preach Christ. 
preach Christ. Offend, offend, offend. Because it's the only hope for a lost world today. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that we see. And even in scriptures, Jesus has modeled for us the compassion. I think of the woman who was brought, caught in adultery in the very act and brought to him. And they wanted to stone her. Jesus, I, I, don't, I believe sometimes, Lord, maybe you just sat down and wrote in the sand their sin. Those that were standing around, maybe you, you wrote in the sand their sin. As they saw that, they dropped their stones and they turned and walked away because they weren't without sin. And Lord, you didn't, you didn't compromise your truth with her. You told her, go and sin no more. You called what she did sin. You confronted it, but you did it in a loving way. And Lord, with the religious people around you, you confronted them with truth. You never compromised that truth. Help us, Lord, to take the model that you lived out for us of, of living out the truth, doing the will of the Father. Let everything else fall as it may. Is we're obedient to doing what you've commanded us to do, and we're in your hands. Lord, we leave all of that to you. If folks get mad at us, if folks turn on us, whatever it may be, if we've done what you've commanded us to do, that's a good thing. So help us, Lord, this morning to have courage. To, 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 as I've said before, to drive a stake in the ground this morning that I'm not backing up anymore, any further from that right there. I'm determined in my heart this morning that I'm going to speak truth to the people around me that need to hear it. I'm going to speak it in love as best I can, but I'm going to speak truth. Father, help us not to be concerned with people being offended with us, but help us not to be offensive in the way we present it. So Lord, the challenge is, uh, this morning is for our folks just to, to, to gain courage and to be maybe to renew that commitment to preach truth to our friends, our family, our co-workers, our neighbors, the, 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 the person in the checkout line at Walmart looking for opportunities to speak the truth in love. Father, maybe this morning there's someone in our, in our midst here who's never placed their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray even now you'd speak to their hearts, bring conviction and revelation to them that they are lost. Without you, they are lost. And they're one heartbeat from hell. Father, reveal to them that truth. Draw them to you. I pray this morning they would step out of that aisle and come down to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. To meet the one who came, died on the cross, to pay the penalty for their sin. Lord, may we as believers this morning not lose sight and not lose all of that truth that you died for us. May we continually meditate upon the price you paid for our salvation that we might be motivated, Lord, to serve you faithfully. God, just move now. Whatever needs to be done in our hearts, I pray we would obediently respond to your leading in this invitation. In Christ's name, I